We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it begins. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We are services so jordan what have you been eating um well interesting that you ask that um this morning uh i made blueberry pancakes and Mm. that with uh some authentic vermont maple syrup it just it just slapped so the answer to that will be blueberry pancakes what about you um the most recent thing i ate was chocolate ice cream was what's it good? Sto- like, what, where was it from? What's the story behind it? My house, my freezer. There was chocolate ice cream. There was whipped cream. Nice. Yeah, if you guys couldn't tell, we, we've we got some special guests on for this intro, guys. Is that true, Trent? Special guests? Yes. Yeah. I'd say so. I'd argue very special guests. Unless they thought, unless they thought that it was just us this whole time. That'd be confusing for the longtime fans. <laughs> but, but hearing them talk about all this delicious stuff they've been putting into their bodies and running through their digestive systems really just makes me wonder what you've been putting through your body. See, I mean, this takes the fun out of it, but uh, my, my answer also is is blue, blueberry pancake. So, uh, yeah. and, and my answer is also chocolate ice cream. <laughs> Look at that. We're um, happy wife, happy life, you know? And I think that's a great way to, to, to cue the intro. Parth looks so handsome. Look at him. No, Parth does look really handsome. Parth, <laughs> we, we should do this fast because we had to turn off the fan and the AC. It's so hot. And it's, it's hot. Welcome to Craft Services where we talk about the film. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> okay, okay. It's okay. Movies. No, no, no. Just, she doesn't have to get it right. Welcome back. Welcome back <laughs> to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Um, each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, who do we have, Trent? So, Jordan, who is our guest? This week, our guest has been Melanie Jones. And what films did she work on? She worked on such films as The Purge, Insidious, The Last Key, Bill and Ted Face the Music, and our film for today, Damien Chazelle's Whiplash. Wow, Jordan, you you had that, like, right off the top of your head, it seems. You know a lot about the guest. I'm just, like, really talented. And Um, smart. I didn't know you were such a stan of Melanie Jones. Like, big Melanie Jones production designer, right? I love Melanie Jones. I love her work on The Purge. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good. And Insidious, The Last and Key. Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yeah. And our film for this week. Whiplash. Damien Chazelle's Whiplash. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, Trent, did we like this interview? Because well, as much as we like Jordan and Sophia, they weren't present for it. Oh, um, I actually, I had Jordan, it may have appeared as though I was there, but I had Jordan put on all my clothes and just sit in for the interview, and it seems like you didn't notice. No, I didn't at all. Even in the pre-interview chit-chat, she was pretty convincing. That's why Jordan knows so much about Melanie Jones. Mm, makes sense. I think we should have Jordan just take over. 
in general. I'll use my hard drive part. I'm going to put the headphones on Oh my god. It's Jordan's podcast. We're just living in it, you know? But yeah, this was a great interview. She talks a lot about working with Damien Chazelle. She talks a lot about creating the look of the picture. Trent brings up Taxi Driver and Melanie Jones doesn't get pissed at him, which is pretty interesting. Wow. Um, A lot of cool things happen. Um, although I guess Trent didn't bring that up. Jordan did. Um, yeah, that was me. Jordan so yeah, get, get, get ready for our interview, for me and Jordan's interview with Melanie Jones, which you can listen to now. Starting right now. Oh, Wait, Sophia. When's starting, the starting? When, when is it starting? I think it's starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Melanie Jones. She's the production designer behind such films as The Purge, Insidious, The Last Key, Bill and Ted Face the Music, and our film for today, Damien Chazelle's Whiplash. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So just to start off, what would you say your relationship with film was like at a young age? Uh, obsessed. We'd go to the the theater on on Saturday. My My mom would drop me off. In between movies, like say, uh, I remember Planet of the Apes, like all four of them would play in one day. So she would drop me off in the morning and after the first movie, I'd run to the front door, but not step out. You could pay. But if you stepped out of the theater, you'd have to pay again. So there's this whole group of kids at the front door going, come back, come back, you know, like two hours, four hours. And we just kind of roam around the theater and watch the movies. And, it, you know, it was, it just was incredible. And how did you find yourself on set or like studying film more seriously or academically or not at all? Um, I didn't actually study film. I was a theater kid. I was a dancer. So I grew up in um, coastal central California to about an hour south of San Francisco. Um, and, re- you know, really what you could do in that community, I was interested in film overall, but, you know, theater was the thing. So that kind of led being a dancer. I was also a good artist, which led to, you know, making props and making signs and eventually stage design. I moved down to Los Angeles and um, I just got offered a job as a painter on a film and I hopped on and I was supposed to, I had my associate degree and I was supposed to go for my bachelor's, but I got the job and I thought, oh, I'll put it off a semester. And then I just kept working. <laughs> How'd you end up realizing that like production design was the arena you wanted to be in on a set? Well, you know, it was kind of a natural progression because I had already designed for stage, like small and regional theater. I really enjoyed, you know, I had the opportunity to dance on stage and feel, you know, be in rehearsals and feel what it was like to uh, do that, that part of it. But it, you know, as an artist, I just wanted more control and I wanted more input. And I always, I always just naturally can see things and fantasize about worlds and places and, colors and textures and so 
it, it just, it just kind of evolved. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's like the more you do something that you do that that's enjoyable for you, the more you want to do it. And, and in terms of film, I started as a painter. I was a set dresser. I drove the big truck. I loaded the furniture. I was an onset dresser, which is, I is, you know, we can come back to that as a production designer. I think it's a really good position to do before you do production design, because you understand really what the camera sees and really what your job is. Um, you know, and then I was a set decorator and on and on, worked my way up to production design. I mean, I've been doing it since the late eighties. So uh, I took my time though, because I wanted to not having gone to school for this specifically. Um, I, I don't even know if there was classes in this really um, back then, but um, I wanted to under understand my job. So how did you uh, get involved with Whiplash and how did you meet Damien Chazelle, who's also from New Jersey, I believe? His mom actually teaches at my girlfriend's college. Fun fact. Part of Whiplash was supposed to take place in New Jersey. And so, you know, um, anyway, uh, how did I? OK, so I was doing another film for Blumhouse and the head of production uh, Jeanette and I were having lunch during lunch. Um, and I think I was working on, I think it was, it was either the purge or Lazarus. I can't remember, but, um, and she said, I said, what's coming up next? And she goes, Oh, we have this little drama. And she told me about it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I want to do that movie. I had, I told you guys, I had been a dancer. I went to New York city. I studied dance there in the early eighties for about a year. And I had this dance teacher who was very much like Fletcher, who would literally, as you're dancing across the floor in your class, scream at you. What the fuck are you doing? Why are you doing it like that? You effing idiot. That kind of thing. Like scream at you. And, you know, I came from very liberal, groovy California to New York City. And it was shocking. But I actually, and I don't condone that. That's not the way that I lead or run anything. I don't condone that kind of behavior at all. But, um, you know, he scared people into being better dancers. So I understood, I kind of understood it emotionally. And um, so Jeanette said, well, let me set up an interview. You know, and when I go on an interview, I build a web page and I pull a lot of images because, you know, I get obsessed with what, what I'm thinking about. And then I talked to Damien about the fact that I related to it from a, a personal like I really did relate to that. And, uh, you know, we just clicked and there you go. Boom. We're off and running. So, uh, once you met with Damien Chazelle, like what was he like as a director to work with and, uh, creating the look of this movie? He's really concise and he has a really, having, having, uh, being the writer and the director, I think makes for, often a, a, a more concise and more specific point of view on the writing because he wrote it. So, you know, let's assume that he saw something when he was writing it. Um, they had done the short, you know, and what I said to him was, you know, when you do short film like that, you don't have a lot of money and you don't have a lot of time and you don't have a lot, a lot of. So I'm like, you know, ha, what, what do you want to, like when I read this script, it feels a lot more dark to me. And there's two ways we could go with this. 
We could do Juilliard, which is kind of light and bright and more modern looking, or you could do something more like Manhattan School of Music or, or, you know, something else that's, you know, has a little texture and a little grit and a little darkness. And, and he said, yeah, I, I like that better. And, you know, I, he had kind of a lookbook that he had pulled and he also had, uh, you know, ideas about what his favorite movies were visually. And one was the Godfather. So if you look at whiplash, I secretly at the time I've talked about this since then decided that it was a period piece and decided that the look of the movie was from the seventies because that's, most of the films that he referenced and most of the films that he liked in terms of color palette and texture were from the seventies. So, you know, we had all the modern technology in it, but um, I leaned into that, you know, and having live in the seventies, I remember it. So I, I, I was just scrubbing through the short film because we wanted to ask you questions about it uh, or like how it influenced your work in the, in, in the, uh, in the, in the feature. Um, and it's so like white now that you mention it or, and just like compared to like the darks and the greens and like, I hate, I hate to say this, but like the taxi driver sort of color palette. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And it's fine. And you see that throughout the whole movie and it's crazy to see like the, really the 180 from the short. Yeah. You know, because again, like I've worked on short things like that too. You don't, you don't, you know, I'm sure if that designer and I don't, I don't remember who the person was and I apologize for that, but um, had more time and, and stuff, you know, often you get, it's like, Hey, we have this location and it's free or it's cheap and let's find the best room and make it look like what it's supposed to look like. So, you know, when you're doing a film in a proper way and, 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 and I say that, you know, whiplash was shot in 17 days. So, yeah, I know. So it's not even really proper. I mean, there's a lot at Bloomhouse and working at Bloomhouse was a real gift for me as a designer, because I got to do a lot of films. They do films very quickly there, but I got to do a lot of films and kind of, you know, build the muscles. Um, we had time to think about it. And, you know, I, as a, having designed for the theater, my approach was, was to think about, you know, when I saw that 17 day schedule, and my head kind of exploded. Then I'm like, well, we need to find a location where we can do multiple things and we don't have to move because we have to pack up every night and the crew has to move. Company Doesn't moves work. will kill you. Yeah, they absolutely will. It's just time and energy suck and a, a dollar. And, and I, you know, I wanted, like, if we don't have to move, can I, can I have that extra penny or two to put in front of people? We can see it on the screen. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was kind of the idea at the beginning of it. And and we mostly stuck to that. I mean, we found the Palace Theater downtown, you know, and here it is again. It's like, when's the, what, what period, this school, when was it built? And I'm like, you know, early 1900s, between 1900 and 1925. And we found the Palace Theater downtown Los Angeles, and we did half the movie there. I mean, that became so many different places. So this goes into uh, sort of what you were just talking about, about the locations. Um, were any of them on a soundstage? Kind of like a sneaky, in a sneaky way, yeah. So no, not literally no soundstages. Were, were they built? Yes. 
um, the palace theater became our soundstage. For instance, we found at the palace theater on our, on our first scout there, we found very easily, we found the first band room. Uh, I, I forget the name of the teacher. So it's, he, he goes to school and he's playing in that band room and it's big and it's got the big windows and Fletcher kind of finds him there. And it, it's the opening shot. The Nassau the band. Thank you. Nassau band. We found that that's a loft on the sixth floor and I built the hallway, you know, so it's just a big, huge open loft. So that long, you know, tracking shot into him, that hallway is built. And then I, I kind of, I found the, the part of that, that huge loft that I felt had the most visual value. That's where we put the band. So we created a room out of that space. Down in the basement at the palace, we built the practice rooms, um, we built the movie theater that uh, the girl works at in the lobby of the palace theater. We built the jazz. Oh, so that wasn't, that wasn't even a real movie. Wow. No. Full we built name. the jazz club when he goes, when he hears Fletcher after Fletcher, I think has been fired and he's playing at that jazz club, that jazz club, like, you know, this kind of traditional theater and theaters that were built around that time that you come off the you come off the sidewalk and there's there's sort of a a pre a pre lobby, but it's exterior and it's all marble and that's where you usually have your marquees and stuff like that. And then there's a bank of beautiful deco glass doors and then you step into the interior lobby. I took that pre lobby and I uh, we we did a, a soundproof wall. Uh, as soundproof as possible. Damien complained about that later, but what can you do? Um, and I did a big jazz mural and we blocked that lobby off and that became that jazz club. Like we use this for probably, you know, three other things I'm not even thinking about right now. His, his dorm apartment, the interior of it was at the palace. But and then we were looking, so we wanted this dark wood style, like wood paneled room for <clears throat> Fletcher's band. And, you know, that that we're looking around downtown at other locations. Can we find it? Because can we just move to that for, you know, a day or whatever, two days? Couldn't find it, couldn't find it. Found some stuff too big, too little, ceilings too, you know, all the, the normal things that you run into. And I was walking across the stage of the palace on one of the many scouts that we did there. And I was walking across the stage and I was looking at the, the stage floor and it's so old and so beautiful. It had so much texture and uh, <laughs> just dawned on me. I'm like, yeah, duh, theater person. Why don't we build Fletcher's, you know, room on this stage? This floor is so beautiful. I would just leave it. You know, you've got lots of room. There's a fly gallery above your head. And that's what we ended up doing. We built that and put it on the stage of the palace with his office, which I don't, I think you don't see very much of that in the film, but there's an office adjacent. Um, and uh, yeah, so long answer to your question. Yeah, the palace theater became became our soundstage, so to speak. No, I mean, that's that's great. I mean, while you're talking about the, the look of everything, I mean, the, the director of photography has to be a big part of that conversation. So I was wondering if you had a lot of uh, conversation with him or if it was just, um, you know, it's such a quick schedule that maybe you True. didn't get to. I mean, it was fast. We did talk. I like to tell DPs, you know, 
they are my friends. And I like to say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. But it was really fast. I mean, to be honest with you, it wasn't even, you know, I, I would show Damien stuff, but it, 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 in my memory, it felt like everything was kind of on the fly. What do you think of this? Yeah, I like that. Hey, Sharon, if I do this and I make like in uh, in the in Fletcher's studio, um, if you look, there's all these panels there. There's there's meant to be like sound bounce panels, you know, a lot of times. But there are we also use them for lighting, like, you know, what kind of fabric should I make these out of? Can you light through it? You create a glow and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it the there's no ceiling on that set. There's the panels and the walls just go up pretty far beyond it. And at a certain point we got, we stopped the, the um, paneling and I think we painted it white. So you can get the light bounce happening up there that would affect the look of, of what comes below without, you know, really seeing it on camera. So you brought up the opening shot and since uh, you, that was built, I have to ask like, while watching it this morning, like along like the left side, there's just like so many like lovely reflections in the glass. Okay, that part we didn't build. That's actually part of that loft mm. on the sixth floor. What what I'm, you know, and this is the thing. This is where like, and this happens quite frequently with locations you modify. So we those those windows are so beautiful. So I just I just created a a, a wall of offices or you know practice studios. Camera right. And then the doorway entering into it, into the, the Nassau band room. Um, so I was going to ask, a lot of the movie, the way it looks, it looks like very natural lighting. And so that makes me wonder, were those natural fixtures that were already in place and that's how the movie was mostly lit? Or is that just a lot of hard work went into making it look that way? If you're seeing fixtures, we probably put them in in most cases, unless they're massive. You know, they lit it. it. It was a combination of probably what you could get naturally. And, you know, certainly that band room, there was natural sunlight coming in. Because, again, we were on the sixth floor. On the on the back side of that loft, there is some roof. And I'm sure they probably put something out there and got some light in. Um, you know, again, with these kinds of films where you're not, where it's super fast. It's a fast shoot. And it's um, a fast prep. You are, you kind of come in with a basic plan and then you really have to, you have to improvise and be ready to, to make it work on the day on the fly and quickly. I, I know that a lot of the music that like ends up on the soundtrack, like is actually like being played. And since you were like there on set, like how, like, how does that work? And I know that a lot of the people present were like real, like jazz musicians. Um, I don't, I think they pre-recorded it. Oh, so, so what was like, were they, were they actually hitting or were they all just miming or what's the deal? I believe most of it was miming. I wasn't, I'm not on set that much as a production designer. I'm usually ahead of everybody. I'm working on what you're going to shoot tomorrow or the next day. So I pop in and out. People have asked me this question before. I had to ask uh, Karuna, my set decorator. And my aunt said, I'm like, that that was pre-recorded, right? Because um, the guy who wrote that music, who also did La La Land, I think. And then I think there was a piece that belonged to somebody else. So, no, they were they were not playing. So I, there's a car crash sequence in this movie. And I was wondering 
what that is like to have to design because that yeah. must be kind I of intense. I was on set for that. That was really fun. Um, I like stuff like that. So these kinds of things get shot in pieces and you really uh, lean into the editing to make that realistic. There's that whole scene of him driving and kind of freaking out. And, um, and then he gets hit by the truck. So the deal with the truck, when you have a shot like that, if this is the truck, you guys are the camera. You start with the truck really close to the car and the truck backs up. And then in the film, okay. you play that in reverse. Okay, so that's one shot, right? He's driving and truck pulls away. Then the car flipped and we were talking about, you know, does it do, I think it, I think for camera's sake, you do like a half flip. So you get the movement and then you do a full flip with the stunt guy, art department, set deck has buckets of rubber, broken glass and bits of metal and whatever that we, you know, we distribute and, you know, it's very technical. Uh, and I don't think we ever saw it in a wide. You never saw the impact. No. I, I mean, the, the crazy thing about it is that it's, it's kind of like this long take. And so I was kind of wondering how you guys, was that like a stitch or something? Because you're seeing it from the left side the entire time. The truck crashes into him and we still stay on that shot as it goes like tumbles. So I was wondering what yeah, that kind of pro- I think it was stitched together and and there's there's always this you know it's a horror movie thing too and, and all the action things there's something happening in the frame that kind of wipes frame and then you know then that's where you make your cut were there any sequences that you remember designing uh, that didn't make it into the finished film or is it yes oh do tell. Fletcher had a really beautiful apartment. <laughs> Fletcher had a really beautiful apartment. There was a. We were, we were going to ask about that. Yeah, there's just my decorator did a great job with it, and he's sitting there listening to music and eating alone, and you know it's just kind of, you know. And I said to Damien after uh, I saw the finished product, I totally understand. Like, it's interesting <clears throat> what's in the movie, what gets cut. Not a lot got cut. But I, I asked him, I said, did, did you cut Fletcher because it just slowed down the pace? He goes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, remember, he was a drummer. He was a drummer, I think, in high school. Um, so everything about this movie is about the tempo and how, how we as the audience are being gloriously manipulated by the tempo that he and Tom, the um, um, editor, worked on together after after we shot it and making sure that that's you know you're really on a ride and i I guess also the movie is kind of told through the subjective point of view and that's that would be like one of the only scenes where miles teller's character is not present so that kind of changes the view i guess yeah that's a good point so i wanted to ask so whiplash has like easily in one of my top 10 film endings of all time like, I think that that last 10, 15 minutes is, like, perfect. And I wanted to ask about designing that stage, because I, I just think that it looks, like, everything about it is perfect. So if you it's could just talk about it? what it was yeah. like. Yes. We did not do very much to that. That's the Orpheum Theater in downtown Los Angeles. 
you know, as a designer, you know, my, we looked at several theaters. That was my favorite. That was Damien's favorite. Uh, my, the thing that I really love about that specifically, and I made sure that it got on cameras, the Orpheum has this, the curtain is very old. Uh, I, it's kind of this beautiful crushed golden fabric. And we just kind of all freaked out about it. Like this is going to look great on camera. Um, another contribution. So that's just the theater as it was lit really well. And then the audience was set deck cutting out different shape bits of white, like a shirt thing or, a, you know, boom, 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 and dropping it in the seat so that as you look out, you know, cause we only had a certain amount of extra as you look out, you feel like there's a lot of people there, but it's just pieces of fabric draped over the back of chairs. <laughs> You know, lo-fi way to do it. So all the like stage lighting that is like lighting them, that was all just stuff that existed on the theater? Yeah, that's stuff from the Orpheum. Um, I'm mm. sure that our lighting department added some things um, that they could control specifically. But, um, you know, you generally make use of the lighting in a theater if you're there. Uh because it does have a good, you know, it's a just authentic quality. Another thing I was going to ask is that's kind of a sequence where from memory, you can kind of look at it from like all 360 degrees of angles. Cause it's, I guess, a real location. Are there any locations on this that you remember being particularly like, it can only be shot this certain way because otherwise you're going to see the, the seams, I guess. No, I think we pretty much got 360 everywhere. You know, a lot of the locations, like that hallway we were talking about at the opening of the film, some of the other other things, like, you know, the practice rooms and stuff, those were some percentage, the actual location and some percentage things that we built in. But in this one, we really kind of had to 360 everything. Um, to the best of my memory, I don't remember going, Damien, you can't see this way. Just, just cause, you know, it's that kind of movie. Like it isn't, it isn't this, then this, that it's this. And again, it has a tempo, which means it has movement, which means you're probably going to have to see everything. So I was listening to the director commentary and uh, obviously you're dressing like LA as New York. And but he said that they did one and there's like a montage uh, with uh, just like a bunch of New York exterior shots. And they did like one day in New York and one, were you involved in that? And two, like, what is the production designer's role when just like shooting exteriors on a street that already exists or that's just like very much right, you know, just shooting down a New York City street? Well, I mean, really, frankly, that comes down to what what size picture are you on? I did not go to New York. I was aware of what they were shooting. Um, I think they grabbed some things kind of on the go. Um, that was, if I remember correctly, that was after we shot all of L.A. So, you know, Sharon, Damien, they, they already knew what the look of the film was. So there's no kind of fight about that. And the film is based off that. Um, you know, more recently, up in Canada with Pete Bird, 
uh, Netflix painkillers about the opioid crisis, shooting Canada, you know, we're supposed to be in the United States. So you have to do a lot of stuff if you're shooting a street. And we did a lot of streets, um, you know, and you change quite a few things. One of, in Whiplash, there's the exterior of the movie theater mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the marquee. That, that was also the Palace Theater. It's the exterior of the Palace Theater. But I had, we did a couple things to that to make it look more like New York. For one, um, light, like the, the um, traffic lights in New York are yellow. And in LA, they are gray. So I don't think we painted it. I think set deck, because we knew it was going to be a wide shot from across the street at night. So I think set deck actually wrapped most of that pole with tape, yellow tape. And then we, um, we did dirty snow, little remnants of it. Cause I'm like, it'll really feel like New York city if there's some leftover snow and it's ugly and dirty. Again, there's that grittiness, right? I, I didn't realize how much of the movie was shot in LA. And there's also that one scene after he gets dismissed where he's eating pizza and he's walking down that street and he sees the, the guy on the streets playing the drums. And that felt very New York to me. So the fact that that I guess was LA is kind of crazy. That is LA. That was the number two location that we went to, um, which had, we did multiple things there. There was the diner where he had lunch or coffee with um, the young lady that's in mm. Los Angeles. That's the same corner. We used the exterior of that as the exterior of the jazz club where he goes to see Fletcher, double played it. There's a lobby in that building. This is called the Hotel Barclay. Lots of stuff gets shoot there. It's beautiful old building and it's got a ton of apartments and they're mostly empty. Yeah, I've done multiple things there, but um where they meet the lawyer, he and his dad meet the lawyer in the lobby of the hotel. We did that there. We did uh, his apartment after he got kicked out, which is one of my favorite sets in the movie because it's very underdressed purposefully, you know? So we did all sorts of, all sorts of stuff there too. And yeah, that's in uh, like fourth, fourth and main downtown Los Angeles. Um, So I guess to like kind of wrap up our, whiplash side of things I, I wanted to ask is there any i mean it just seems like a difficult shoot but was there any set that you were like this is like difficult like this is particularly difficult for that shoot it was all difficult none of the sets themselves specifically were difficult to create or build you know it's not like like say bill and ted doing Howl or making the north pole which i just did this was you know these are these are everyday locations that you, you know, the work, it's always work. Nothing's ever easy doing this, but the, the work that you do there is to make sure that you, you're keeping the aesthetic within the range that you want it to be. Keeping it gritty, keeping it interesting, keeping the mood, telling the story. So in that respect, but the shoot itself, I mean, 17 days for that, like everybody had to be just uber focused. People were not sleeping enough, you know, like (laughs) it was hard. It was particularly hard in my department for set deck because 
you know, they're the people that are dealing with the couches and the instruments and the, you know, that, that department has a lot of little tiny little bits and pieces that they have to bring. And that means you have got trucks and you've got boxes and all these buildings, these old buildings in LA, they have, I don't think the Barclay had a, oh, they had an elevator, but it's teeny. So, you know, you're like trying to get the couch. I mean, it's just, that kind of stuff was crazy. And truck after truck after truck and more crew. And, you know, it, like that part of it is the logistics and the actual physical uh, demands of shooting on a schedule with so many locations that quickly, which is why I didn't want to move. I'm like, we got to stay downtown for at least a good hunk of this show. You brought up Bill and Ted, and uh, I guess what's are there any major differences in like working on a franchise film? Like the budget is obviously very different, and you brought up like designing hell. And do you have more fun with that compared to designing? Like you said, it's all work and it's all hard. But like, do when you have to do something elaborate, do you uh, have more fun with that than like designing a classroom? Yes and no. I mean. My first interest as a production designer is telling the story well, telling the visual story well. I don't really look at it as an aesthetic, although that's my responsibility. I'm still a writer. I'm just writing images. So if I like the script or I'm into the job, it's all good. It doesn't really matter to me if it's now, you know, if it's a big build, it's a little build. If it's a crazy build, if you've got lots of time and money. I really, you know, making hell. I think I got the job of Bill and Ted three because it was my suggestion that we put hell, we put death's house, we make it a mid-century modern as opposed to some gothic thing, kind of like he was trying to have a hipster midlife crisis or something, right? You know, it's like, you know, let's, let's not play into what would be the obvious, which would be some kind of castle. Let's make this. And then, you know, the idea of having a koi pond in front that's filled with lava. You know, that's all me being nutty. I, I, I do enjoy the kookiness and the humor. You know, the tone of the script will often affect the feeling of the job and the, the job approach. So I do really enjoy creating fantasy spaces probably more than I like doing, you know, just another classroom or just another house or just an, you know, that kind of thing. But it, it really depends on the story. If the character's uh, interesting, if the story is interesting, then it, then that, that it's all worthwhile. So uh, to move on to another movie that you actually mentioned, and I just saw like two weeks ago for the first time, you worked on The Purge, the first one. Um, and I was wondering, that must have been a, uh, another short shoot. Uh, what was that like? And I guess that's like that not become this whole big thing. Really? That was, yeah, no, 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 no. That, I, I think I was probably a 30, maybe 35 day shoot, maybe, which is still really short. But um, so that was, we found a house in the valley here in Los Angeles. The people had just built it and lived in it for a couple months and it was not very furnished, which was great. And so we paid them to get out and hadn't shot in their house for a month that, you know, my approach with that was because that was a future. I was supposed to be now or, you know, last year or something. (coughs) 
and it was 2012 when we shot it. So, you know, I just had to think about, well, what, you know, that's kind of a, doing five or 10 years in the future is, is always a rough thing because, you know, how, how can you guess? Like how much different is it going to be 10 years from now? And, you know, when we can reflect literally that was 10 years ago. How is how are things different, like visually? And, you know, there's a lot of talk about the technology. What would the phones be like? And, you know, would they be clear plastic with you know, all that kind of stuff? And so my thought about that was the best thing to do is not try and guess at some style that, um, you know, we we don't really... Yeah, that's always so dangerous. You can make really bad choices. I, I, so there I just said, well, I'm going to go back to something that I know keeps on com- coming back around in terms of style, which is art deco. So there's kind of a deco feel. It's a, it's a 2012 art deco subtext on that. Um, and um, we shot principal and they decided that they needed to uh, add more, um, have Ethan Hawke's character have, you know, more of a fight against the bad guys, which in this would be the scene at the, the pool tables and kind of like a game room. And so uh, the people, this is maybe five or six months after we shot principal photography and the owners of the house are like, no way, we don't want you back. You know, we're moved in <laughs> no more movies in our house. Yeah. You know, Cause that, you just, that's a whole thing in itself. So um, I rebuilt some of the sets on a soundstage. And then I added, I connected them with hallways. Because when you read the original script, it, the house just felt massive. And you felt like there were these, these never ending halls that, that people could get lost and separated from each other in this blackout, right? And there's no houses really that have that kind of labyrinth of hallways in reality. So I just thought, well, it'd be, you know, maybe we can get some good stuff. So I built a couple halls between the sets that we had to reshoot that we also built. And, um, and I, I'm glad, I'm glad we did because that's where they got a lot of the, the really good shots of those guys smashing, you know, walking through the house, smashing all the stuff. And, you know, we just didn't have it before that. And I think it was a super valuable addition. It's it's funny the thing you said about kind of having to predict what the future is going to look like because we talked with the costume designer of her, which is like in the near future, yeah. and he said kind of the same thing of like you kind of have to look back like yeah. two cycles or something yeah. and kind of like figure out what to mix and match to figure out what the future might look like. Yeah, uh, I guess the next question is just like what have you been working on now that you can speak about. Well, like I said, I've been working on The Clauses, which is a continuation of the Santa Claus movies with Tim Allen. Um, I'm working, it's for Disney Plus. Um, that's been, well, we just finished doing that. And that, that's been an incredible joy of a job to create the um, North Pole. I don't even know how to talk about that. That one of the, the special things about the job is that, that we're got to do some of the shooting with ILM industrial light magic at, um, at their volume stages, which is what they use for the Mandalorian. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's my first time working in that kind of environment and, and that potential is incredible. I mean, we basically drew a full set on SketchUp 
and then sent it to them and they make it 3d looking projected up on the ilm screen and you're shooting in front of it and uh it looks incredible on camera it looks real like things you can't do for a tv series say like the santa's workshop we could not build that we built a lot of other stuff a lot of other stuff it was just so much fun but that big workshop is a massive set and um they wanted to bring that back so that you could have the continuity from the movies to the TV series. And so we redrew it. We drew it and repainted it. You know, I modified it some. And then that's, you know, and then we just ended up building parts and pieces. But the whole workshop is really just a, you know, projection. It's incredible. And the, and the thing that's interesting about the volume is that it, it's not only projected, you know, behind the actors, it's also lighting them. So you don't have to bring movie lights. You can bring, you know, you can add a little bit, but you're already lit. You walk in there and you're lit. Go. It's it's really phenomenal technology. Parth, would you say it's time for the Big Kahuna final question? I think I think it's time we bring it out. So the Big Kahuna final question is, what is the last great film you watched? Um, and we have to clarify that we don't mean good. We mean great. Little Big Man. Wow. Uh, what is that? So it's a film made in 1970, I think, with Dustin Hoffman. Um, And he plays the opening of the film. He's uh, 102 years old. He basically is being interviewed by this young guy. And he tells the story of his life, which included meeting General Custard and included living with Indian tribes called the human beings and all sorts of really fun, funny, beautiful, philosophical plot points. It's a beautiful film, very much of the period. You know, it's not a modern film. It's very 1970s kind of style. And I hadn't seen it in a long, long time. And I guess that brings us back to Whiplash, the 1970s look. Yeah. Uh, I think that wraps us up nicely. Uh, Thank you so much to our guest, Melanie Jones. She's the production designer behind such films as The Purge, uh, Insidious, The Last Key, Bill and Ted Face the Music, and our film for today, Damien Chazelle's Whiplash. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Welcome back. That was a really, really good interview with um, Melanie Jones, uh, the production designer for Whiplash. Um, yeah, and other films. And other films. Um, Sophia, you have any, any words to say? Closing remarks. I love that interview. It was a really great time. Good job, guys. Yeah. I think when Jordan and I get together, some really interesting work comes out of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fruitful working partnership. Um, and, you know, who know, who knows where else it'll go, you know? Yeah. 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 No. I might argue that this is your best interview yet. Yeah. And it's like, what changed during this interview that wasn't the way of the rest of the other especially especially when you consider our last interview was the eddie hamilton interview for this to be even better than that Mm -hmm. that's something you know you guys just keep out doing yourselves but part part but like part said we can't talk about top gun
we can't talk about that. Okay, we can talk. It's the end of the episode. We can talk about Top Gun now. Okay, so Jordan and I saw Top Gun for a second time. We did. Um, the beach scene. Take still not my over. breath away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you haven't listened to our Whiplash discussion yet, but um, as I will mention in that episode, which you'll hear next week, Trent and I have three episodes to record, and we're doing them backwards. So. We did, we've already done the discussion, but that's not coming out till next week for you guys. And we have yet to record the Top Gun discussion, but that came out last week for you guys. But because of that release order, I told Trent to hold off on the Top Gun talk. But I guess since it is the end of the episode, what do you think we should recommend for the listeners to do? I think that the listeners should hit like on this podcast. Leave a leave a like. A comment. And a comment, maybe. Probably rate it five stars. Yeah. Um, and you could and also listen to them on... Definitely review. Apple Podcasts. A- Apple Podcasts. And Spotify. And Spotify. And really, wherever you get your podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. And there's also... You can, so- craft Inst- Services social media. Yeah, Instagram and, and Twitter. And Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, those, those, those are the two we have. <laughs> yeah. So that's where you can find us, and so just give us a follow, whatever. Thanks, thanks a lot to Melanie Jones. You know, um, I think I think that's all we have to say. We'll see you next week for our Whiplash discussion, and then after that, it's our hundredth episode special. <gasps> Jordan, Jordan's excited. Ruff, 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 ruff. That's an interesting <laughs> reaction. Um, okay.